Welcome back to the Tapes Archive podcast, where we release interviews that have never been heard before. In this episode, we have the great singer-songwriter, John Prine. At the time of this interview in 1997, Prine was 50 years old and was out on tour with the band Los Lobos. In the interview, Prine talks about his record label, Oh Boy, his Indiana connections, touring, and his yet-to-be-made duet album. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. As always, we have music critic Mark Allen at the helm conducting the interview. If you'd like to support the show, please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. There, we post other content and information not available on the podcast. If you'd like to read the transcripts for any of our episodes, please head over to our website at thetapesarchive.com. We'll jump into the interview after a quick word from our sponsors. The Tapes Archive is proud to be sponsored by the true crime documentary, Dead Man's Line. You've got a hundred armed officers around here trying to get a shot at me. I dared them to shoot me. I didn't go down there to be a buffoon. I went down there for vengeance. And God God, I'll have vengeance. In 1977, Tony Karitsis kidnapped a mortgage broker and held him captive for three days. For the first time ever, the media was able to cover the event live. To some, Tony was a hero. To others, he was a crazed thug. Dead Man's Line. The true story of Tony Karitsis. This award-winning film is available exclusively on Amazon Prime. One last thing before we get to the interview, the Tapes Archive podcast is a proud member of Osiris Media, a global community connecting passionate fans with podcasts and experiences about artists and topics you love. Thanks for tuning in, and now it's time to open the vault. How are you doing? Pretty good, sir. I'm late. We're kind of on a move here. I'm going to... Uh, Edmonton, Alberta Airport. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, for... I couldn't find a telephone. I've been walking around for about 20 minutes looking for a phone. Yeah, well, not a problem, but though I was just sitting here thinking, you know, I didn't think this interview was ever going to happen, and now I know it's not. Oh, really? <laughs> and you call. Yeah. No, it's just that, you know, I, I not only um, don't I see many interviews with you, I mean, I can't even remember ever being offered an interview with you, so I was real excited when they said that you were willing to talk. I'm Am I right that you don't do interviews very often? Yeah, well, I just don't do them unless, you know, unless we got like a uh, like a new record out or something, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I just hardly ever do them because I just don't see much sense in them unless, uh, I guess they always work out good, but, you know, I, I guess I, I can't really see the reason why until I see the, uh, the end of uh, the end thing, you know. Okay, well, I'll try not to make it too miserable for you. That's all right. <laughs> um, you know, these days, I mean, as much as I hear people raving about your music, as always, I, 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 people are always talking about you as a businessman and and oh boy, and how how great this is. And is oh boy a panacea? I mean, is is it the perfect uh, the perfect thing for you? It, it uh, as opposed to working for a major label, it is. I never really had uh, any of the horror stories that the like the bands and other individual artists have had on a major label. It's not uh, that I uh, had anything like that. You know, that's not why I started. Oh boy, I just come from. Uh, a working class background, you know, and uh, I couldn't see no reason to work for Warner Brothers. Like, what, what could they do for me, you know? Right. It's like nothing, you know, <laughs> except spend my money before I make it. And 
I just didn't see any sense in it. It didn't make sense to me. You go to uh, all you had to do is go through it twice. I went through it at Atlantic, and then I went through it at an Asylum for three records. And I knew everybody's. Uh, I knew what all the promo men looked like. I knew their faces. They just changed suits and change uh, labels, you know. And there's always a guy that's uh, hanging out with you, you know, telling you like he's gonna really tell them what the, your stuff is about at the label, and then there's another guy that obviously doesn't know you that has a, a guy working for him. Like, the only thing he does is tell him who, who you are, you know? Like, you know, and I just couldn't go through it again, not, not really. I didn't want it to affect me making music, and I still thought I, I ought to have a way to get my records out, even though the records weren't the main thing with me. The touring was. I made more friends by, uh, by uh, going around and, playing in a, in a club or something or concert hall and the records uh, you know just kind of they get out there and they're self-supportive they end up paying for themselves and they they sell slow and sure like uh, like jazz records do yeah but ever you know everybody says when they're talking about you business-wise they say well you know he gets to keep five six bucks a record compared to to the average artist on a major label who might get a dollar. Yeah, that's true, but it <laughs> somehow still doesn't make its way to the bank, you know. <laughs> uh, we're doing we're doing good right now. Uh, in particular, is not a good time for the independent labels. A lot of them are getting ready, have fallen, or getting ready to because all kinds of things. Mainly, the distributors are getting bought up, and you're doing good if, if you're supporting yourself with an independent label. Right now, you're doing excellent, and uh, I'm sure there'll be better days and everything, but. We're doing all right. We're we're you know staying above water and everything's working. We did spend more money on these last couple of records and they sold more, but we were able to actually get played on radio and stuff. What are you typically selling now? Actually, Lost Dogs did. Oh, Lost Dogs did around three fifty, and the missing years was around four twenty. Now the live record that's out right now is selling slow, but it's good. It's, we can't really tell with a record like that until it's been out for a year. In the bottom line on this sounds great. You get to keep more of your money, you get to, you get your artistic control and you don't have to answer to the to the major labels. That's true. And are there downsides to this? Not like <laughs> <laughs> And on top of it uh, like uh, the your uh, all the stuff on the road it, it took a while to catch up but because of the excitement and the selling the records um this has been a great year on the road all the places that uh have gotten better the dressing rooms get prettier you know <laughs> and the money's just about doubled wow so like uh and that's all i'm sure a cumulative thing of what we've been doing over the last five years with the two records and the constant touring and everything. To tell you the truth, Mark, things could be better. Good. You know, I mean, I'm having a great time. I've got a great uh, home life now, and, I, and uh, I'm enjoying the shows, and um, everything's just fine, you know? Great. I'm glad I do. do uh, we haven't really announced it yet because we haven't got all the participants, but I'm I'm writing for my next record, and then meanwhile, I'm going to do a duets record of me and all girls. And, uh, like doing cheat songs. Wow. And uh, we're getting ready to start on that as early as next month. I just haven't got everybody's yays or nays from uh, the list. The girls are going to do it. Drugger companies are sometimes a little touchy about duets. So, uh, but that's kind of what I'm working on now. Other than that, I'm going to start Christmas shopping soon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. I'm yeah, really glad to hear. Yeah, really good. <laughs> I just spent six weeks with my family in Ireland, and we had a great time. My wife's from there, and, 
and uh, saw the relatives shirt off the babies all over the place. You've, you've got a, a son who's less got than two, two, two right? Sons, okay. Uh, one and a half and two and a half. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Great. Now, one other question about the label, and that is, why do you think more people haven't done what you've done, and, and would you advise them to do it? Yeah, I would. Uh, I'll tell you, we seem to do it at the perfect time. It was just, um, you know, we we did this thing in about the mid-'80s is when we started Oh Boy. The reason I say it was a perfect time then because things are different now. Like, it's, it's even harder. Now, uh, what I'd tell people to do if I was going to give many advice to all is, like, uh, you familiar with Dead Reckoning? Yes, sure. Well, I, I think it's good to... Right now, I think things are so tough that people need to gang together in order to start something. And uh, it also, it's, it's good for the music, it's good for the, everything. Put four or five artists together under an umbrella and, and go into war that way, you know? Yeah, I actually, um, I mean, this is your experiences has come up in conversations that I've had with John Mellencamp, and I've asked him, you know, why don't you do what John Bryan does? And I think it's just he looks at it and goes, uh, too much work. <laughs> not, not really, uh, and it's a lot more uh, satisfying, even for uh, the, I mean, for the people that do the actual day-to-day -day work, which is Al and uh, Dan Einstein. Uh, you you make a little move in an independent thing, and it's a big thing. It's uh, it's very satisfying to everybody. You know what your odds are, you know? and we've had a lot of a whole lot of help with Oh Boy. You see, particularly from the from the media. You know, everybody was. Uh, uh, really behind is 100% right from the get-go when I decided to go independent. Uh, you, you've got a lot of uh, Indiana connections. You know, I sure do. Yeah. <laughs> I got a guy with me right now from Bloomington, Jason Wilbur, and he came via um, David Steele. Yeah. Got Jason when David went with Steve Earle, and I got both of them from uh, Larry Crane. Right. <laughs> you know, so I got I got some Indiana connections. Yeah. And then John Mellencamp, I used to go up there around the mid '80s. I think it was just before I started Oboe, maybe I just started it. And I'd go up there so John and I could write something and just hang out, you know. And he introduced me to a lot of people around there. And Larry's not with you now, right? Is that Larry? Oh, no, Larry. Matter of fact, Larry's taking a. He's kind of abstained from the music business for about a year. He's got out with a race car driver. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Who, yeah. Who I is it? I see him at the show, though. Yeah. And if I do see him, I don't know, I'll see if I can get him and Ed to come up and play something with him. Uh -huh. I mean, you had the role in the Mellencamp movie, too, right? You wrote the song and yeah. uh, and, and stuff. So, yeah, it's just that's weird. Your Indiana connection all over the place. I, I was reading up some of the things in your press kit, which are kind of interesting, and one of the things you were saying in there was uh, that a, a guy at the post office said, don't take your retirement pay because you'll be back. <laughs> I told that story this morning. And I, I wondered, did you take your retirement pay? Yeah. You did. You don't understand. I said, I said, if this doesn't work out, I ain't coming back here. Right. Because he asked me what I was going to do, like why I was leaving. And I said, well, I'm going to play the guitar and sing for a living. He looked at me like, you might as well sprout wings, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, man, don't take your, you know, don't take your retirement pay. I said, why? He said, you'll be back. I said, no, you don't understand. I said, I ain't coming back here. <laughs> Uh, did you um, do you ever see that guy again? <laughs> no. No. I imagine he's back there next to the parcel post. You know. Yeah, he's probably saying that John Prine. He'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, has your career gone as you expected? I guess it did. I never had much direction with it. All I ever wanted to do is work things around to pretty much where they're at today, like 
going out and really enjoying being there and enjoying doing the show and enjoying the crowd and having a a, a personal life that's equal that that and no bills. <laughs> Man, I don't think what else they could have, you know. I mean, the 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 cars all look like shit, so I don't want to buy a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, what else do I need? And I like what you said in the press kit about people. People have that that mistaken impression that you're angry because you never became a huge star. I'll tell you, uh, I really like playing to about no more than four or five thousand, and and less. Play little halls that only hold eight hundred and nine hundred. And they're beautiful. You know, they're just, they're, their plays are made for music. You get bigger than that, you're playing in uh, sports centers. You know, they're designed for the acoustics of a basketball instead of a guitar. I don't know. I guess it's a lot of money and everything, but it takes a lot of money to put on a show to keep, to keep the guy sitting up in a balcony satisfied. I, hopefully, I'd like to stay right about around where the size place that I'm playing. Yeah, you're playing a 4,000 seater here this time. Is that, uh -huh. uh, is that that's comfortable for you? Yeah. 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 You really seem to have to have retained your kind of like working class roots and attitude and stuff. How did you do that? Well, I don't know. I just never could buy into the rest of the stuff. Was it, was it, any, was it ever tempting? Mm, not really. No. <laughs> just no. <laughs> Hang on one second. Sure, good. I gotta get my ticket here. Okay. Um, so do we have like two, two or three more minutes? Let's just get the pay to get out of here. Get out of here? Yeah, but now you don't have to. We can go through the express line. Okay. 26 the All right. Thanks. Sorry. No, not a problem. It's, you know, I was listening to the, to the live album, which I think sounds really good, and just realizing that, that a lot of your songs just have really simple messages that speak to people. I mean, that, that get right to the heart of, of people's lives. Is that, I don't know if you make a conscious effort to write that way, or is that just what comes out? Um, a lot of times, if a song is, seems to be saying anything, it usually springs out of me trying to explain something to myself. And I guess I must like things in fairly simple terms. So however long it takes me to break it down to that. Uh, some of the stuff, I, I, also the subject matter is not something you want to make a big flowery speech about. You want to kind of cut to the heart of the matter and get it over with. And uh, also, <laughs> my third part answer to that question is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I don't know any more about writing today than I did when I picked up a pencil like 25 years ago. It's still, when I'm finishing, like writing everything that I got on the shelf right at the time, no idea how to do it. Something that just comes and goes. But it must come naturally, right? I mean, yeah, it's an interesting way to live your life. You just walk around and think about stuff and uh, stuff that amuses you or interests you or just kind of gets a hold of you, you know, and, and you go for it. And um, maybe it come out, comes out in the form of a song. And then when you sing it to people and they react the way you did when you first got this emotion, that's an amazing it's an amazing process. Since you're really happy and things are going really well right now, is it a good time for songwriting? I'll probably be writing all zippity doo dah songs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it might be time to take I and me out of those songs for a little bit. Because, uh, you know, I'm much too happy for, for a suffering songwriter. Uh, <laughs> so I'll probably be writing in a, a different person. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you're here, are you going to be playing any new songs? Maybe I'll call it the guy next door, like a, you know, series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy next door. 
have new songs that you're going to be playing this time? Mm, no, I'm just working on stuff right now. Kind of pretty crazy stuff, huh? Usually I, <laughs> usually I wait until I can figure out a reason for writing this stuff, and then I'll finish it and <laughs> present it. Yeah, and uh, are, do you have an uh, you have an electric band with you, right? You're going to play some electric, some acoustic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We we do a couple hours and we cover all the years pretty good. And the duets album. Can you say who some of the people you're going to be singing that's, for? That's all. That's why I kind of feel a little premature telling you about it because okay. I I, uh, I can't really say the people. The only person I can say is Iris Dement because we've already set a date with the other people. They have to talk to the record companies and find out if it's possible and everything. So I got a big, I got a pretty big list too because I figure if somebody can't do it for any reason, we'll just keep on moving. But uh, I like singing boy-girl things, and some of them will be cheating songs. Some of them will just be love songs because you can't have cheating without love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I always like the interaction in songs. You know, like where the girl sings something and then the boy sings something and they sing together. So I've been waiting, sitting on this for years and years, and I figure I might as well do it now. If I don't do it now, I ain't going to do it. Is it new material or classic? No, uh, it's old classics, like George Jones and Tammy Wynette stuff and Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty stuff. Wow, okay. Yeah. Is it, is it all country? Uh, most of it is. Yeah. Okay. I might pick one. I got an idea to pick one like Broadway show tune, do a big production on it. Wow. Any idea what that song might be? Nope. I'm, see, I'm, I'm working on all this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Me and the producer and uh, precious few other people know about it. But, it's just, uh, but it is getting underway within a month. So we'll, uh, we'll be like, uh, I'll have some more information on it probably in a couple of weeks once I get some more people uh, committed to it. Another uh, Indiana connection that I don't know if you're aware of. There's a there's a, f a four women a cappella group in Bloomington called Vita, and they just recorded a, a version of uh, Angel from Montgomery on their oh, really? new album. Yeah, which I, I hope you get to hear it. I mean, it, it is just stunning. I mean, I, I didn't ask Jason about the from Bloomington. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, I, I you know I, I mean the song's already been done great, all, you know, a couple of times, but this is just a, an unbelievable version of it. I think. Uh, I'll get a hold of one. Yeah. yeah. They're called Vita? Vita, V-I-D-A. Okay. Yeah. And uh, let me see, just uh, one or two other things I could. One is um, for another story I'm working on, I've been asking everybody I interview, if you became the overlord of pop music, what would be the first thing you would change? Well, let's see. First thing I would change. First thing I would change. <laughs> I'm trying to make it a positive thing. <laughs> Oh, man. I give everybody the day off. <laughs> <laughs> There's much too music out there. Much music right now. Yeah. Take the day off. Boy, that's, that's true, isn't See it? See you on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're playing here with Los Lobos. Is that a good, you like that idea? Is that a good Oh, that, that's going to be great. Yeah. I've what always what loved Los Lobos. They didn't have to tell me too much more about the gig when they said that Los Lobos and us were going to play together. This is uh, this is like the one one show I've been looking forward to all summer. <laughs> oh, great, great. Uh, anything else going on with you that you want me to mention? Nothing I can really think of it now. Kind of got to start getting moving because I got to go okay. through immigration and everything. Oh my goodness. Okay, well go ahead and uh, thank you, and I'll see you in. Uh, I guess I'll see you Saturday. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tapes Archive podcast. Please remember, you can always find more information about the show and the individual episodes at our website, thetapesarchive.com. Until next time, the vault is closed. <laughs>